Hello, and welcome to the History Obscura Reading Room. For my first foray into the secret library, I have decided to revisit a creepy legend that comes from Victorian Britain. Stories of this particular monster began in the fall of 1837, just a few short months after the 18-year-old Queen Victoria ascended the throne. Though Queen Victoria had her own demons to slay, none of them were quite as fearsome as the one many of her subjects reported encountering over the course of the next 60 years. Once upon a time, an anonymous London businessman took a shortcut home through Barnes Common in the southwestern section of the city. As the man passed a dark cemetery, he witnessed a tall figure with glowing eyes, pointed ears, and a pointed nose bounding high over the cemetery railings before disappearing into the surrounding darkness. That was in September. In October, a girl called Mary Stevens next saw the creature and reported it to local authorities. It was a dark, frigid night when Mary walked alone to her place of employment at Lavender Hill, where she worked as a servant. Though gas lamps had been installed on some of London's main roads, probably including the middle-class Clapham Common where she walked, alleyways such as the nearby Cutthroat Alley remained dark and foreboding. At once, out of the inky blackness of the alleyway, a tall figure leapt at Mary, clutching her tightly. It kissed her face and ripped at her clothes with metallic claws before running off, spooked by the sound of her screams. According to the terrified girl, the creature's claws were cold and clammy as those of a corpse. Though people came immediately to search for the attacker, not a trace could be found. The very next day, however, the attacker was seen again in the same neighborhood. As onlookers gathered in curiosity, the pointy-eared man leapt away, jumping right into the path of an oncoming horse-driven carriage. The driver, shocked, drove the carriage right off the road, injuring himself as the culprit escaped by bounding over a nine-foot wall. According to witnesses, the red-eyed demon babbled as he ran away, laughing out in high-pitched squeals like a madman. Soon, the press dubbed the attacker Spring-Heeled Jack, remarking on his demonic features and ability to leap tall obstacles. Children and young ladies in London worried that the figure would jump into their bedroom windows at night, intent on making his attacks. Collective fear entrenched itself into the community as more and more supposed sightings of the creature's glowing eyes were reported peeking out from dark corners in the night. In February of the next year, newspapers covered the story of Jane Alsop, a young girl in Bearbinder Lane. One evening, while at home with her sisters, Jane answered a knock at the door from a stranger claiming to be a policeman. 
He wore a helmet and a strange, tightly fitted oilskin suit. Also wearing a blue cape that mimicked the costume of the London police officers at the time, the stranger told Jane he'd caught Springheeled Jack in the lane and needed a candle to help light the scene. Jane dutifully provided a candle, but upon handing it over to the man, he blew white and blue flames from his mouth and attacked the girl with his ice-cold claws. Jane's sisters ran to pull her from the man's grasp, and the attacker ran away down the lane. When Jane reported the incident to police, she said the part that scared her the most about the incident were the man's eyes, which glowed like fire. Another incident took place in the early part of 1838 in Narrow Street. This time, 18-year-old Lucy Scales was out walking with her sister after leaving their brother's home a few minutes before. It was about 8.30 at night when the pair started to make their way through Green Dragon Alley and Lucy went ahead of her sister down the path. In the darkness, Lucy could just make out the figure of a person wearing a cloak. He held what looked to Lucy like the type of lantern used by police officers. Without warning, the figure blew, blue and white flames at the girl, blinding her and sending her into hysterics. As Lucy screamed in terror and began having a seizure, her sister ran to the rescue. A calm figure in the near distance walked away, wordless and unhurried. Some versions of this story add that the assailant leapt high over the heads of both girls before jumping up onto a rooftop to make his escape. A man by the name of Thomas Milbank was heard bragging at the Morgan's Arms pub that he was in fact the real Spring-Heeled Jack, a boast that ultimately got him arrested. Milbank admitted that he was the man who terrorized poor Jane Alsop. And indeed, police investigators found the clothing items and candle he said he dropped outside the girl's home. Jane, however, insisted that her attacker could shoot flames from his mouth, which Milbank could not do. This seems to be the reason he ultimately was acquitted. The Alsop case was the pinnacle of the Spring-Heeled Jack craze in London. But the stories and sightings never quite died down. Over the course of the next 40 years, the monster was spotted throughout England and Scotland. In 1845, an unfortunate and mentally ill man found wandering the streets of Yarmouth in his nightgown was mistaken for Spring-Heeled Jack and beaten by fearful onlookers. Afterwards, the sightings became less and less frequent, but the effects of these accounts were long-lasting. Rumors about the monster were rampant for decades after the Alsarp and Scales cases, and there were several theories about Jack's purpose in terrorizing young girls. Some went so far as to suggest the assailant was going out in search of a precious commodity from his young victims. That is, their hair. The Leeds Mercury newspaper reported the following on September 26th of 1863. Fever also, 
places his contributions in the hands of the hair merchant, and there is a sad suspicion that the mysterious woman that hovers about the house of the dead to perform its last offices does not, when an opportunity offers, allow it to escape. There are still other sources from which human hair is obtained of a yet more repulsive nature, but we have said enough to show that when a lady buys false locks, she little knows the curious and mysterious tale each individual hair possibly could tell her. Some years ago, some years ago, we now and then heard mysterious. We now and then heard mysterious accounts of a certain spring-heeled Jack who used to lie in wait for young girls with beautiful hair, for the purpose of forcibly despoiling them. Considering the immense rise that is year by year taking place in the value of this material, we find no surprise at such tales. In the 1870s, renewed interest in the stories of the London monster led to a rash of sightings in England's northern counties. Peckham had multiple reports of a ghost leaping high atop walls and ditches, while Sheffield citizens believed a tall man in a white sheet was terrorizing the city in the guise of Spring-Heeled Jack. Eager ghost hunters went to the cemetery where the sightings had taken place, but instead of their specter, they found irate police officers with, with whom they clashed violently. The last of the reported sightings of Spring-Heeled Jack came from Liverpool in 1904 and Bradford in 1926. Most of the attacks and sightings of the blazing-eyed entity took place entirely within the reign of Queen Victoria, that is, between the years of 1837 and 1901, making this particular monster synonymous with the famous period of spiritualism, horror stories, and freak shows that was the Victorian era in Britain. Soon, terrors of an altogether different nature would take Jack's place in Britain and the capital, among them two world wars, the Teddington Towpath murders, and eventually Margaret Thatcher. But those are stories for another time. Be well, friends, and remember to lock your windows tight. Good night. Thank you.